Today, I'm going to do our seventh in a series of Once Upon a Time and Ever After, exploring not safe stories. The title of this sermon is Pilot Hire Abundance. One of the characters is Yertle the Turtle. Today, I'm going to talk about a famous children's story and a parable. They frequently have a lot in common. A children's story on its face is a simple story about a given situation that can be understood by children based on their own experiences. A parable was one of the favorite teaching methods of Jesus. It is a story that the listeners of Jesus would understand from their everyday lives. However, within a children's story and within a parable is a much deeper lesson that the person writing or saying them is trying to convey. Let us take a look at our children's story for today. It's written by Dr. Seuss. It evolves around Yertle the Turtle, the king of the pond. Dissatisfied with his stone that serves as his throne, he commands the other turtles to stack themselves underneath him so that he could see farther and expand his kingdom because... He believed that everything he could see would be his. However, the stack turtles are in pain, and Mac, the turtle at the very bottom of the stack, is suffering the most. Mac asks Yertle for a rest, but Yertle tells him, be quiet. Then Yertle decides to expand his kingdom again and commands more and more turtles to stack themselves on each other so that he could see more and own more. Mac makes a second request for a rest. Because of the increased weight is now causing extreme pain to the turtles at the bottom of the pile as well as hunger. Again, Yertle yells at Mac, be quiet. Then Yertle notices the moon rising above him as night approaches. Furious, something dares to be higher than Yertle the turtle. He decides to call for even more turtles in an attempt to rise above it. However, before he can give that command, Mac decides enough is enough, and he burps. That causes the whole stack of turtles to fall, taking away Yertle's throne and tossing Yertle into the water, leaving him to be king of the mud. And as Dr. Seuss says, And, of course, all the turtles are free as turtles, and maybe all creatures should be. Now, it doesn't take much to figure out a message of this story. It can be summed up in one word, greed. In Yertle's case, greed for possessions and for power. When one never has enough, and one always wants more no matter how much they already have acquired, greed enters the picture. Our reading from Luke that was read by Lois deals with the same issue. It starts by someone in the inevitable crowd that followed Jesus asking, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. To fully understand his question, we need to look at the inheritance customs that existed at the time, the oldest brother got all the family estate when the father died. He was then expected to take care of the family. 
this process protected the family and the family farm by being divided into such little pieces they wouldn't be worth anything to anyone. Well, apparently, the man who asked the question of Jesus was dissatisfied with this arrangement and wanted Jesus to go against the custom and tell his older brother to give him one half of the property. In response, Jesus told them the parable of the rich fool. Before we begin, I want to make something very clear, and that is it is not bad and certainly not a sin to be rich, to be prosperous and successful. Jesus never condemned anyone a well-earned and well-deserved financial prosperity. However, the parable makes it very clear that what can be condemned and is a sin is in the deeper meaning that is conveyed in the parable. The parable is about a very prosperous farmer. He had a bumper year and had so many crops he did not have anywhere to put them after harvesting. So he decided to tear down the old silos and the old barns and build bigger ones and newer ones. And within them, he could store all of his crops and all of his goods. Then he believed that he had many years of crops to sell so he could lead the good life, which to him meant relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But then Jesus reveals a part of the deeper side of the parable when he says, God said to the farmer, you Fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. I think Jesus raised many issues by this parable. One of them was the absence of God in the life of the farmer. Now, God is present at one point. Notice the words used to describe where all the farmer's wealth came from. The land of a rich farmer produced abundantly. The land. The source of his wealth was from the earth. The earth is God's creation. And therefore, so were the abundant crops that came from it. As it is stated at Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord's, and with all that is in it, the world, and all those who live in it. Do we read that the farmer knelt down and gave thanks to God for the crops? Did he go to the temple and make an offering based upon his bounty? Nope. Instead, it was all about him. Notice how many times the farmer uses the personal pronoun referring to himself in verses 17 through 19. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to share my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So where was God in the farmer's thinking about the bounty that he had been given? It's very clear that God was absent. 
He was just like Yertle the turtle. It's all about I, I, and my, my. He could not see that God had given him all the wealth he had received. He could not see the tremendous good his wealth could achieve in the lives of those around him, such as the poverty, the sickness, and the homelessness that was rampant at the time of Jesus. When when you looked at this man's life, you saw that it revolved around barns, buildings, budgets, and bank accounts. He was caught up in the maze of wealth and what it could buy. So where is God in our lives? Where God should be is well summarized by Jesus in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 34 from the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles that strive for all of these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. It is so easy for all of us to forget where God should be in our lives, and instead we fill that empty space seeking wealth and unnecessary possessions. Another issue raised by Jesus in this parable is the impact that wealth and possessions can have upon us. Once again, he is not saying that the acquisition of wealth and possessions is wrong. He is not saying that the hard work that results in that acquisition is wrong. What he is saying is that when obtaining wealth and when obtaining wealth and possessions become the driving force and the focus of our lives, exemplified by Yertle the turtle and the farmer, then the so-called much lesser gods have replaced where God should be in our lives. Remember the first two commandments as stated in Exodus 21 through 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. It's not too hard to see that what the rich farmer was doing was violating those two commandments. His wealth in general and his crops and their storage specifically had become false gods to him. He was worshiping them instead of worshiping the one true God. There's a story that shows the extremes that some will go to in the worship of money. A mother saw her two-year-old swallow a nickel. She immediately ran over to him, picked him up, turned him upside down, and smacked him on the back. Well, the little boy coughed up two quarters. Now she went in a panic. She yelled to her husband, who came running and said, What happened? She said, Billy just swallowed a nickel, and I smacked him in the back, and he coughed up two quarters. What should I do? Her husband said, Keep feeding him the nickels. 
What do we worship? Are our thoughts consumed like Yertle the Turtle by wanting more and more and more? That new house on top of the hill, that new red Ferrari that will beat anything climbing the Crenshaw Hill, that new boat that will be more luxurious than most people's homes. Once again, I want to make it clear, Jesus is not saying that to be interested in these things is bad. What he is saying is that when they become the sole focus of our lives, as in the life of Yertle the Turtle and the farmer, then we are becoming fools just as they were. A third issue of this parable is to show the power that possessions can have and their effect upon us. Have you noticed that everything about, have you noticed that just about everything you buy has some sort of warning label on it? You could thank the lawyers for that. A ladder that says if you lean way out from the side of the ladder, it's going to fall over. A fishing lure that says harmful if swallowed. Washing machines with the instructions don't start if someone's inside. These warnings make me think of warnings that perhaps could be given before our worship service. Warning, you will be noticed if during a sermon the minister's eyes are no longer looking at your eyes, but instead looking into your right ear as you look out longingly at the beautiful sea. Warning, the minister's role is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Warning, sermon contents may cause you to think about things you've never even thought of before. Wealth and the possessions it can buy should have such warnings. Jesus begins this parable with just such a warning. At verse 15, he says, take care, exclamation point. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Pretty good warning. An appropriate warning could be, like those on some medications, that the pursuit of wealth and the possession and possessions can lead to addiction. All the rich farmer and Yertle the turtle cared about was feeding their addiction with more and more and more and more things. The problem because that when someone like them seeks possessions as the ultimate goal of life, then like any other addiction, the possessions will turn on the one seeking them and actually come to possess the seeker. E. Stanley Jones, a 20th century Methodist theologian and missionary, pointed out that whatever gets our attention gets us. If we focus our attention on problems, and just glance at God, our problems get us. If we focus our, on our possessions and just glance at God, our possessions get us. The farmer was clearly focused on his possessions to an extent that one would wonder if he even glanced at God. The nature of the addiction can be seen in a story about a wealthy and successful businesswoman on vacation in a tropical island. One day, the woman encountered a fisherman who was taking a nap on his boat. The woman inquired, why aren't you fishing? 
The fisherman replied that he had caught all he needed for his family in the morning. But, countered the businesswoman, if you went out twice a day and a third time at night, you would catch enough fish to sell a few. Before long, you would make enough money to buy several boats. With a little luck, you, sh- you could start a fresh seafood business and start shipping fish all over the world. What would I do then, said the fisherman. The businesswoman replied, well, you would make millions. Then you could retire, get a nice place on the beach, gaze at the sun, and look at the beautiful ocean. To which the fisherman replied, just what do you think I'm doing right now? Who had an addiction? The woman or the fisherman? Who had more riches? The woman or the fisherman? So do we own our possessions, or do they own us? If it is the latter, then the addiction of obtaining more and more possessions has taken hold of our lives, and we have truly become the fools that Jesus talks about. Today is the day we should reassess what is important in our lives. Is God truly the center of our lives? Do we strive to live lives based on the teachings and life of Jesus Christ? If all that is true, then we are truly rich in God and have all the possessions we need. If God does not have that central role, then we are like Yertle the turtle and the rich fisherman that God called a fool. What is it to be? Which choice will we make? Let us decide today. Amen.